This is the Mobile Home Park Lawyer Podcast with Fur Neiman. If you're looking to generate wealth and passive income in the lucrative world of mobile home parks, you're in the right place. You'll discover solutions to the common legal and operational pitfalls and how to optimize parks to maximize income. Your host is in the trenches. He's a real estate attorney, financial analyst, and mobile home park investor and operator. Now, let's turn it over to Fern Neiman. Welcome back, Mobile Home Park Nation. Here again today with another episode of the Mobile Home Park Lawyer Podcast. My guest today is a longtime mobile home park owner-operator, a businessman, my business partner, my dad, Ferd Neiman III. How you doing, Dad? Doing great. Hey, welcome to the podcast. We actually made this happen, believe it or not. Glad we got the IT working. Well, I know your background, obviously, but everybody else doesn't. So tell everybody about your background and then how you got into the MHP space. Okay, very happy to do so. Started out in the family uh, grocery business, which was started by my grandfather in 1917. Uh, worked with the company about 20 years. Uh, finally decided to go a different route. I um, uh, hooked up with a local banking company here in Quincy and worked in their real estate uh, department oversaw their management of real estate for a period of time. Um, Then ended up going into business with my son, um, buying college houses and duplexes and that type of thing. Um, And then I became a a realtor. And then tell tell us how you got into MHP. I mean, I I remember half the story was really, I was at Jackson County looking at commercial real estate deals as an analyst and eventually decide, let's look at stuff that's higher profitability, things like self-storage, things like mobile home parks. But tell us uh, how we found the first park and, you know, the efforts you took to, you know, contact sellers and, and kind of how we, how we went, went about that route. Yeah. We uh, decided that the mobile home park business would be a good opportunity for us. So I started calling every tracking down and finding the name and number of everybody in town that owned a mobile home park and called a dozen of them. There's more mobile home parks scattered around town than, than you think because they're sort of hidden a lot of times. Anyhow, every single time I got pretty much the same response. I'll never sell. It's a cash cow. Anyhow, kept looking. One day I was driving the park, saw a sign in front of a home. Didn't know if the park was for sale or the home was for sale. So I called the number on the sign. It was the mobile home park uh, owner. He was actually trying just to sell the one home, but I asked him, would you consider selling? He said, yes. And we were able to put a deal together shortly after that. That's right. So a lot of people, when they're trying to get started, they debate, should I look locally or not? I think it's harder and harder nowadays to find parks locally and depending on your market. But for us in Western Illinois, that was the plan was uh, look in the hometown. We looked obviously elsewhere and just started to expand and bought several parks in that market. And now several parks in other markets but it was good for us to kind of get started in this space. And now, you know, the vast majority of both of our time is in the mobile home park space, as, as you know, not really, really kind of divested of duplexes and single family and, and your realtor license is still active. My broker license is still active too, but we don't really do any real third-party brokerage, mostly for our own portfolio or capital raises on mobile home park deals. Tell us, tell everybody what your day-to-day looks like. You know, you've obviously got different hats on than, than me and some of the other folks on our team. But tell us what your day-to-day looks like. Well, we, um, 
it's a it's busy. Uh, we have a number of challenges come up. Um, anything from uh, rent collection to supervising contractors to any number of things. Uh, we start early and prioritize uh, and just work the list uh, on a daily basis. Yeah, as far as prioritize, one thing I know we're big on is the weekly planning and then the daily planning. Weekly planning is kind of a system Tony Robbins taught us. And then the, the daily planning is kind of the book, The One Thing by Gary Keller. But there's, there's always stuff from insurance claims, you know, new homes, insurance taxes, tax sales, leases, you know, punch lists for your contractors, finding homes, 21st mortgage applications, uh, advertising, bookkeeping, all kinds of stuff. So obviously your, your lane is more on the operation side. I'm more on the acquisition side or the legal side, but um, communication is key, right? So that's what I think our day-to-day -day looks like. We talk to each other almost every day on some facet of a project or one or another. Um, what would you say is the best part and the worst part of your, your job or your business? Uh, the best part by, fun, by, by far is getting to work with my son. Uh, it's just totally enjoyable. <laughs> That's biased answer. I don't, I don't know if I believe that every day, but uh, maybe some days <laughs> better than others. So. Yeah. The, uh, we, uh, our, our business is sort of unique, which unique opportunities and or problems, and uh, fun to address those and solve them. Um, probably the worst part is people lying to you, you know, why they can't or won't pay rent. We're used to it. It sort of goes, uh, goes with the business. And it's always a challenge to find and retain uh, good people who say they can do, but just work through it until we, until we get the right folks. Yeah. I think one of the worst parts is park on home renovations. So we've gone through, I don't even know how many dozens of contractors and it's just finding guys to show up, be reliable. And unfortunately, you know, park on home, you don't want to spend $30,000 renovation. So you just don't get, you know, some of the pros, they won't, they won't tackle the $2,000 job, the $3,000 job. So you kind of get left with the schmoes. And that's why I think a lot of park owners, just myself included, just don't really do not prefer park on homes. They, you can make some extra revenue on top line, but managing and maintaining and flipping them is, is, is very tough and very cost, cost heavy. So I think, you know, you basically have overseen most of the, park on home renovations, a lot of the infill on the used homes. I've done more of the infill on the new homes with 21st mortgage, but I think that that's one of the harder parts of the business is bringing in homes, renovating them. It's where a lot of the value add is, obviously. Um, you can only push rents and cut expenses so much versus increase occupancy, but um, it's definitely a lot of work. Uh, what, what advice can you share that you got from somebody else that you, that you think would be beneficial to our listeners here? Um, I think it was John D. Rockefeller that said, go to bed on time, get up early, strike oil. That's, really, pra that's really practical. Thanks. That's going to probably, probably <laughs> help a lot of people make path the millions. Um, glad, glad to help. <laughs> really, though, um, as an old saying, plan your work, work your plan. Um, that applies to the daily tasks. It applies to long-range things. If you, if you do that and you, you do it well, you pay attention to the details and prioritize and do it well, you'll be successful. I think that's good advice. Um, 
Yeah, I mean, I always I always tell some of our managers, you know, be careful of your residents because they'll steal your time. And I mean, it's important to be, have good customer service, but sometimes people just call on a grasshopper line and want to talk to somebody just to talk to your off, just to be your best friend. I was on the phone with the seller earlier today to have, I asked for, we just entered this joint venture. There's only a couple of days left in due diligence. So we need an extension because we're kind of running point now for the guy that had it under contract. So I said, Hey, I need more than two days of due diligence. So it was, and I already talked to him about it in person last week when you met him, this should have been a five minute phone call, but it was 40 because he wanted to tell me his whole life story his health problems, his daughter, his business plans. Like now with building rapport with sellers, I listened, I built rapport, built a relationship and I gave him 40 minutes of my time, but with tenants and with the contractors and people, you, they just can steal your time and, and talk about nothing for 40 minutes. So I think planning your work is important and working that plan is important, but you also got to know the prioritization and just guarding, guarding your time or, or you'll, you'll end up not, you'll end up being, letting somebody else's plan take over your plan. Right. So tell us an example, if you can, of something you learned, I say learn from the school of hard knocks and maybe it's one of your own mistakes or from a mistake of somebody else that you, know, you, you learned from and that our listeners can learn from and hopefully not have to make that, make that mistake themselves. Yeah. It just in a nutshell, don't make the same mistake twice. You know, we constantly try to educate ourselves to put ourselves in a position to win. That's an old baseball story, coaching story. But, um, you know, try to try to anticipate what issues there are and uh, educate yourself so that you can make right decisions. Discuss it. You, you mentioned earlier that we talk a number of times a day. Uh, obviously, two heads are better than one. Anytime you can flesh out an idea by discussing it, pros, cons, potential uh, pitfalls, uh, you'll be money ahead. Makes sense. Yeah, one thing kind of along that same vein, I have a quote that I heard from a contractor one time is, you know, you're talking about here, you know, two guys better than one is the next guy can find something you didn't. And he said, the biggest problem with a construction budget is not a misprice, but a missed price. And something that the first guy didn't see and then it just blows up your entire scope of work and blows up your entire budget. So I think that's, that's really crucial there as well. Yeah. Kurt, I'll add something that a general contractor told me years ago in bidding on a large project. When they find out that they are the winning bidder, their first reaction is yay. The second reaction is what did I miss? Exactly. Yeah. What did I miss that the other guy didn't? <laughs> Good point. Uh, definitely a good point there. Uh, can you share with us any of the, maybe the, the details or the, maybe detail the deal or a kind of a secret sauce, if you will, on one of your operational techniques, whether it be how you manage the insurance portfolio or manage a contractor or how you find homes or any, any sort of tip you can give us there that can help kind of our, our rookie listeners out there? Sure, sure. Um, one thing when you're talking to people, you want to find out what the other person wants. What's most important to him? Is it best price? Is it speed? Is it terms? Everybody needs something, and it could be a combination of those things. But you know, God gave us um, uh, two ears and one mouth for a reason. And so often people want to hear themselves talk. Your best bet is listen. And you'll find out, and sometimes you have to read between the lines, 
but you'll find out what the other person needs. And if you can tailor your offer to what their needs are, you have a much better chance of success. Um, and that's what we try to do. A couple tips, I don't know, we use a, um, a background check company called LTS, Landlord Tenant Services, that does all of our background checks. We don't do it ourselves. Uh, we like to think we have bigger fish to fry. These guys are in the business of doing it well. One of the techniques that they use is they'll call, they'll call the, the current landlord, of course, but they'll call the second landlord back who has no skin in the game and you're checking out a potential resident, they'll give you the true story. And why the first guy might lie because he wants to get rid of the person. So we've found them to be very valuable, helps us. We, they make a recommendation, we make a decision. Um, and again, we have you know, a whole bunch of little operational things that we do. Another one is uh, deposits. Uh, we typically charge $10 less than rent on deposits. And the reason for that is a lot of people, or some people, when they get near the end of the lease, they'll say, oh, just go ahead and keep my deposit for the last month's rent. We make it very clear. Don't try that. They are two different animals. That's true. One thing I've done here on the parks I've been overseeing in this market on the security deposits is the double deposit. Because we've had a lot of them brought in about 50 new homes in this park near my house. And the new the new homes I want to get a double deposit if we're going to rent them. Obviously, we like to sell them better, but yeah, just another way of setting it setting aside. Look, this is not rent. You can't use this for rent because people will, in the apartment world, especially people will jump out a lot of times that last month's rent. Uh, it's definitely a good tip. I, another tip that LTS does, or another start, start strategy that they use, that I think is helpful is they will misspeak or or lie about the amount of the rent. So if, if the rent is four hundred dollars they'll call the reference and say, hey, are you the current landlord? Yeah, so so John, he's paying you $600 a month, right? Oh yeah, John, best tenant ever, he's great. I'm like, oh wait, it's 600 or 400? Oh yeah, 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 it's 400. And it, it basically, it fleshes out if the, the referral or landlord is their, their buddy, because the real landlord will, will correct you and say, no, he's not paying 600, Those, that lot rents 400. But when you, you know, your friend's gonna be, no, just, hey, I gave you their number, um, if anybody calls, give them a good report, tell them the best tenant ever. Just another strategy to, you know, get to the truth, you know, in addition just to the credit score or the skip trace and the criminal record, things like that. So those are, those are definitely good tips. Um, any other, you know, any other closing thoughts or, or tips or strategies that you want to share that has helped us in our operations? Um, you know, for talking to other people in the industry, whether it's uh, park owners, um, park managers, even apartment folks, it's good to uh, grab coffee sometime. I don't drink coffee, but meet for coffee. Um, just to share notes, share tips. Um, you can learn from somebody that's bigger than you or smaller than you. And you never wanna have your, never wanna think I know it all because obviously nobody knows it all. So you can learn from anyone um, we try to network, uh, we try to just gather whatever, whatever information we can from whatever source to get smarter every day and just try to, try to be more successful. Makes sense, a constant never-ending improvement. Just, um, it's the way you get better every day, right? Absolutely. 
All right. Well, thanks for thanks for coming on the show. It's been fun. Uh, been a good partner. Look forward to uh, more deals ahead of us. Thanks. You've been listening to the Mobile Home Park Lawyer Podcast with Ferd Neiman. Ready to learn more? Go to www.themobilehomelawyer.com for free resources and materials to help you succeed. If you love the podcast, go to Apple Podcasts, give us your review, and subscribe today. Thank you for listening. Neither the Supreme Court of Missouri nor the Missouri Bar reviews nor approves certifying organizations or specialist designations. The choice of a lawyer is an important decision and should not be based solely upon advertisements.